passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome to Rewind to Dynamite, a very special edition of the show. I am John Pollock, waiting, still off, away, in Japan, so stepping in tonight. It's not going to be me solo tonight. I am joined by Damian Abraham. Yay! Yay! Road Warriors 2000 in the house! <laughs> I called upon you, and here you are, showing up at my place, no less, on a, on a Wednesday night. I am so excited to be here. I said I'm the part of the Thursday morning wars now. Let's see, like, let's see what they're doing on the other podcast tomorrow morning. Let's you, see what you they chose your in. loyalty well. Yeah, let me tell you what they're doing right now. They're talking about Braden hating Lizzo and Star Wars, but we're over here on the main show talking about Japanese pro wrestling and your trip to Japan, John. How are how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm having a, you know, a, a pretty, uh, you know, I'm like a pretty calm period right now. Like I was trying to get over to Japan. It looked like it was going to happen. And then alas, it did not. Yeah. People asking if, if you were coming. And I, I was hoping. I had to inform them that it was, it was a hope, but it did it not hope. pan out. It was a hope. And, and, and there's, there's still hope for that project. So I don't want to talk about it, you know, just yet in case it oh. does happen eventually. But I had to live vicariously through uh, the IG posts of one. Uh, I am John Pollock and uh, Wei Ting um, and, and post wrestling. How many trips have you made to Japan? I've done like. And, and I was discussing this. Did you do one for all the Viceland shoots or two. Did you, you did two? I okay. did two. Because I, I was thinking that's a lot for one but trip. It's funny because I went to Japan prior to that. I'd been there three times. Um, and I had really only been there for about four days and those three times, maybe seven days. So going to make the show for Vice, I was there for like three weeks. So I really got to experience it. And so like knowing what I got to experience when I was over there and knowing that you were about to go over there, I was just like, I was just so happy for you. Like I was like, you know, jealousy never even crossed my mind. It was just like, oh, I'm just so stoked John gets to do this finally. Mouth is the other one that I want to see do this, you know? Yeah, I, th- like, I think he would have a great time there. Oh, my gosh. Like, He'd probably I just, go insane. The food, the the beer, like the the party of it all, like the music. Like, I think he would – yeah, I don't think – I think we'd lose him. He'd never come back. To me, it was the convenience of – coffee is so readily available. Yeah. Vending machines. Like, you cannot – 
throw a rock without hitting a place that you can get coffee. I would say also for you, the lack of human interaction required in ordering in restaurants would have also been a little bit appealing. Uh, that's, that's nice. Although I, I, I didn't shy away from it. It was, uh, it was a bit of a challenge to go and order something it's in, hard. in Japanese. It's very hard. I, They're very helpful though. I mean, I didn't run into anyone who kind of like was just looking at me like I have, I'm just from outer space. I got, I, I went to a sushi bar one night and it was, I had a guy no sell everything. Oh. You know, and I'm like, I think I'm pronouncing Toro, right? Like, I think I'm pointing to the picture too. Like, I think we should be. Well, think about it the other way. Imagine someone comes up to you in the middle of oh. the street speaking Japanese to you. I wouldn't no, know what 100%. to do. I wouldn't have anything. And, you know, no, I, I didn't run into any issues. They I, always figured out what I wanted. Oh, I, and I, and I'm saying like, that's the one exception that as, as, you know, to the, as you're saying, the rule of everyone's super, it's such an amazing place to visit, you know, like it's no matter what you're into. There's a store there that sells just that thing, and it's just waiting for you to discover it, no matter what you're into. You could be into the most esoteric, weird subsect, and there's, like, someone over there being like, oh, here's everything that John Pollock will need, and that guy is Totacon. But, you know, for a lot of us, it could be different stores. For me, it's, like, record stores. For me, it's a lot of stores over there. I hemorrhage money. Well, we're going to see how this show goes, because now the return is killing me. I know. (laughs) I'm... I'm exhausted. I'm just once seven o'clock hits, it's a struggle for me. I went to sleep on Tuesday earlier than I have in years. I went to bed at like 10 p.m., but the side effect of that is I was, I was up and like working at 5.30 in the morning this morning. That's why I'm like the, uh, the guy that they send in with you, John, when you're just like not ready for the show, you know, the TNA sale tonight. <laughs> the Damien gets the, Damien and John have to work under adverse conditions. But that's the thing. I know, I know I'm working with you when you're working hurt. So I'm here to like provide this like that's, energy kick. So I've got you. You're, you've come equipped. I'm high on Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. And yes. weed. A lot of weed, John. Yes, I know. You were, you were very upfront. There will be no no testing here. I Well, I had to keep it like Way does. You like know, super high. I guess, <laughs> I, I guess so. Let's break kayfabe now, John. So coming up later this week, folks, we've got more shows coming your way. want to make uh, mention that in addition to this show, you can also check out Up Next, which will already be up on their feed now. Also on Thursday, dropping for everybody, the MMA Prediction Show. I imagine one show every year that Damien, you never listen to. I fuck. I love your MMA shows, John. I tell you this every time. I, that's the only way I keep abreast with MMA. I have a cousin who's, who's very, he, he trains at TriStar in Montreal and like, uh, is that what's called? TriStar? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and he's, he's a huge fan and the only way I can keep in, in, you know, abreast of it enough to converse with them is through your show. So I'm very excited about Ariel Hawani coming on this week, who was uh, exchanging Instagram posts with my friend uh, Nathan Williams from Waves. Really? So it's all a little circle, John. Look at that. All those connections. Are you going to be watching this Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone fight on Saturday? I I was going to say I should hit you up to come over, but I don't think my wife will let me out. Two nights in a row. <laughs> That's right. I'm a bad influence on you, clearly. <laughs> but I will definitely be listening to the post show with, uh, for, with yourself because, uh, it's an exciting one. You know, the cowboy versus Conor McGregor. And I think Conor McGregor, you know, it, it's, it's just like, how could you not, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of combat sports or, or just, 
you know, characters in general. How can you not want to see this guy knocked out? It's going to be a big fight on, on Saturday. Uh, so that will be up, uh, as well. Myself and uh, Phil Chair Talk, we are going to have a post show up on Saturday night. We'll also have, uh, Rewind to SmackDown dropping for patrons on Friday as well. WH Park with a new edition of Thunderstruck coming out on Sunday as he's going to be joined by JP Houlihan to chat about Jushin Thunder Liger, Yoshinobu Kenemaru from Pro Wrestling Noah's first ever Tokyo Dome show in July of 2004. So all of that you can check out at postwrestling.com as well as all the latest news that we have a ton to get into. It has been a pretty busy period of, of news. So are you ready to dive in? Yeah, I'm glad wrestling. you came back to wrestling when it was at its Quiet most week. trash fire-esque moment. Well, the big story today, there were several of them, actually. We're going to get into uh, the passing of Rocky Johnson, but uh, first up was the announcement that uh, Warner Media and, by extension, TNT, have extended AEW Dynamite through 2023, and then we've seen additional reporting from Dave Meltzer that this extension is worth $175 million, which works out to about $44 million per year that is going to make AEW profitable this year. And that, to me, is an enormous feat for this company to be profitable in year two and securing this deal. And then I guess there's an extension for 2024 that would be a sizable increase. But, you know, a year in, Damien, like this, this to me is like a really, really solid um, way to cap off their their one year of existence. Oh, it's incredible. Like, I think... You know, going in, those numbers that we heard that were the predictions of the ratings that they were hopeful for and the fact that they've exceeded those prediction numbers, like, I think it shows that maybe those were real numbers that we were hearing. Um, because, yeah, look, they, they, they're obviously very impressed by this deal. I think it's funny when you break it down, it's almost going to work out to at the current ratings are paying a dollar per viewer per episode. Uh, if that's how the math works. Yeah, I, guess. I, think, I think I'm like breaking it down in my head. And I think that's what it works out to, right? Like just under a million dollars per episode, right? Forty-four million dollars per year, and then so they're paying like a, a dollar per viewer. Yeah, so <laughs> they're they're in a situation now where, in addition to, um, uh, well, as part of this deal, a second show is going to be created, and it's not going to be. AEW Dark. So it sounds like they're going to be taping four hours of content each week. Mm-hmm. And this other show could land uh, somewhere within the Warner Media family. It could be on TNT, it could be on TBS, it could be elsewhere. But uh, what are your thoughts on an additional AEW program and how, just your overall thoughts on how they've been utilizing these two hours of Dynamite on Wednesday nights? Um, my hope is that this is an opportunity to make something new. Like, I think uh, the presentation of wrestling that AEW does like not, not the in-ring stuff, like just the, the presentation of it, it looks very familiar. And so I think this would be an opportunity to maybe shoot something in a small room. Like there's all these incredible indie shows that happen in these tiny rooms where the energy is different, you know, and like a real kind of like, you know, I know this is cliche for me to say it, but like a punk rock vibe show, I'd like that, you know, or like a, a really, you know, maybe not as extreme as Lucha Underground, but like, just like a, different presentation of wrestling. Like I was watching Wrestle Kingdom with my, my, my eldest and, you know, he was playing Fortnite at the same time, but he was just, as soon as the wrestling came on, he was hooked, but it was like the stuff in between that it was just like, there's gotta be a way to present it for, for younger kids to kind of get hooked or like a new generation to kind of get hooked in it. Yeah. I, I think overall like this, this is a great success for AEW to, to be able to strike a deal at this level. It tells you that, 
you know, a major cable network sees a ton of value in pro wrestling that is not WWE in mm-hmm. this, in, in the United States and does that. Do other broadcasters kind of play catch up now and look at a New Japan or MLW, which is now, you know, their rights are going to be up later this year. And they've now, now partnered up with an agency where they're, they're shopping those rights. You know, the, the idea that another wrestling program might be able to get a deal if we're establishing kind of where the market is willing to pay for AEW and having that confidence that wrestling can bring you X amount of viewers and how advertisers respond to that. I think it it shows that. And I think it also shows what a panic cable is in right now where these numbers like TNA numbers from a few years ago would, would make TNA a very valuable property right now. Yeah, like at a, at a time when they were doing, you know, consistently we're doing a million viewers Over on Spike TV. Sometimes. Yeah, like we were like, I remember like there was a, a talk of them hitting a two million at one point. Like there was, it was like, wow, this could happen. But it never, I don't think it ever did, right? They never hit that high. But uh, they, their their highest was that Monday that, night. Mo- that first Monday night. That was their, that was their best number. And it was the strangest thing with TNA that they could consistently, like that television audience they religiously tuned in yep. every week yep. on on Spike, but they never buy the pay-per-views. It was no. always like it would be, we will watch this, but we will not spend money on this product. And that was always something TNA could never get over that hump. And at least with AEW, they have been able to prove that their audience will pay for their product as well, whether it be on pay-per-view or at live events. Absolutely. like I think that's the, the, the one thing, no matter what you're going to say, that separates this company from – a lot of other companies is that people are still showing up at their shows. Mm-hmm. So that, this is, uh, to me, a, a really, really significant story. The the mm-hmm. fact that they get this extension and at these figures that Dave Meltzer has reported that I, I think you have to look at, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you're comparing this to WWE, this is not in the stratosphere of what their Raw and SmackDown deals are. But when you're talking about, you know, 16 to 22% of what those deals are for a company that is one year old. Like I look at this as such a strong positive that they're profitable in year number two. That's, that's incredible. Well, especially because the ratings haven't been necessarily trending up, you know, and that's the other thing that it's like, they they definitely are showing they have faith in this company that they're, they're committed, you know, and, and they're committed to see them grow. Well, and another part of that is, and, and this goes for NXT as well is the fact that these DVR numbers have been very solid yeah. for, for both shows. And the question is, how valuable are those numbers if you're not watching it live? I'm sure you've encountered this in shows that you've been involved with. Like, how important do you find DVR numbers? And I just look at TNT. They're about to launch a streaming service. Is there that faith that some of these people that are watching on DVR, would they be more susceptible to get our streaming service if we have this AEW product that might be able to draw them to that. That That's a hidden value to me of AEW is you're launching a streaming service. Wrestling fans may flock over there if you have a compelling product. Yeah, like that's the one thing. And, I, you know, it's it's a very new company, so this critique doesn't hold. But, like, you look at New Japan, the way New Japan's book, like, I'm glad I have New Japan World because now I can watch uh, the uh, the Los Ingobernables kind of rise, you mm-hmm. know, again. I can watch Naito's kind of whole whole arc kind of unfold because and it's such compelling storytelling that you want to go back and view i think a lot of the wrestling shows like how many times do you want to go back and watch just a random raw and i think you know there's certain matches on 
Dynamite that I'd want to go back and rewatch, but like as whole shows, I don't know how much rewatch value it has at this point. Like it's going to be interesting to see as it goes on if they're able to build those things that you want to go back and watch the old episodes or you have people that want to jump on at the beginning and kind of binge watch up to the current product because that's what these streaming services are looking for. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised at all? This this wasn't mentioned at all on tonight's broadcast. I thought they would kind of tout this fact. Like this is a real, you know, pump your chest out kind of moment for them. But there was, there yeah. was uh, unless I missed something that like it would have been in no. passing, but uh, there seemed to be nothing on the show tonight. No, but I think it's also, like, it feels like it's very much in the body of the show, you know? Like, I don't know, that seems like it'd almost be extra diegetic, you know? Like, it would just be, like, not part of their universe, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll, I guess when we get into the review, we'll talk about the universe of the show, because I've got a lot of questions. Okay, we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> a lot of realities going on. I feel feel like Nate talking about Crisis on the Infinite Earth right now. <laughs> the... Uh... The other major story today was the passing of Rocky Johnson, the father of Dwayne Johnson. Uh, he's believed to be 75 years old, and that's the age I've seen everywhere. And the only reason I say believed to be is that there was this Instagram post several years ago by Dwayne Johnson where he got his father this truck for Christmas, and he mentioned the story that, for those not familiar, uh, Rocky Johnson, he was born in Nova Scotia. He was actually born in Canada. And then he left there when he was 13 after an issue with his mom and I think it was stepfather or the mother's uh, boyfriend, whichever. And he left there in – Dwayne said it was in 1954 when he was 13. So that would that would peg him as even older unless he had the numbers wrong. But anyway. Yeah. Um, it's quite the story that he left at 13 and then ended up in Toronto. He was training as a boxer before eventually getting into professional wrestling and became like a pretty big star in all the territories he went to. I mean, wrestling in Canada, Detroit, very big runs in San Francisco, in Los Angeles as well. I mean, he went all over the place. He did a tour of New Japan extremely talented athlete uh did the big program with jerry lawler in 1976 it was a boxer versus wrestler program and just any memories of rocky johnson i know it's kind of a generation apart but this was someone that i mean very famous for for the uh, his drop kick tremendous physique and then had his uh, WWF, WWWF runs as well including winning the tag titles with tony atlas yeah like i think he definitely predates my time of watching wrestling, maybe the very, very end of the WWF run. But, uh, but like that being said, like it's, you know, being a fan of wrestling and being a fan of the rock, you know, you want to go back and see who his dad was and yeah, watching his stuff. You're, it's amazing how, how prolific this guy was as a wrestler. Like here's a guy who, as you said, went all over the world, you know, and the rock famously depicted him on the 70s show on that 70s. That's show. right. Yeah. Um, that's that right. So, um, but yeah, unbelievably handsome, unbelievably gifted in the ring, like someone who, um, you know, should have attained higher, like, you know, it was amazing reading through like, oh, you got that title, that got that title. But, you know, once again, it hit that ceiling of never getting one of those world titles. Yeah. Like when you go through his resume, like this was a guy, won championships in like all the different territories he worked. And I think with him, it was just, he was never associated with one specific territory. It's just like he, he traveled all over the place quite a lot. But when you really dive into his, into his life, and I didn't read the book that just came out on him, but when you assess his career, 
it's one that I think does get overlooked at times mm-hmm. because of just, you know, he did so many different territories and it's kind of the accumulation of them. It, it's quite an impressive career that he had. And also notable the fact that, you know, he was very much attached to Dwayne Johnson when he was first introduced as that Rocky Maivia character. And then after that 97 period, not really like attached at least uh, during the rise of the rock. Like he had the hall of fame induction in 2008, but not someone that was like prevalent in terms of j- just being that uh, they featured him heavily when Rocky was first introduced and then kind of taken away from that presentation of Rocky, almost getting him away from the presenting him as that third generation wrestler with his dad right by his side. Yeah. It's funny because like, you know, they, there was very little hesitation. It's funny when it goes in ways with the company, you know, there's different times where they really pay up, sorry, play up people's, uh, you know, wrestling heritage. And there's other times where they really just kind of cut people away from it. I think. Which Rocky, they went at the beginning, like those vignettes, like that was third generation performer. They were like, that was the defining thing right down to the names, like taking his father and grandfather's names together. But what a, what a brilliant thing to, to take him away from that. You know, it kind of worked out really well for, for him. There's guys that it would have worked really good to, to have that attached to him. I'm sure. But with him, it was, he did just fine on his own. Yeah, so um you can uh I'm going to write something about Rocky Johnson later this week, but it's uh you know quite a career to to go through. So uh he passed away. Not sure what um he passed away from, uh what what kind of uh illness he had been dealing with or or what the circumstances were, but that one uh, uh th- there was a 10 bell salute both at uh at Full Sail University and then they acknowledged it right off the top with a graphic at uh AEW tonight, which man, it was a very tough week when you hear all the names right off the top from Jim Ross this week. I mean, we had Pemperl Furpo, La Parca, Kendo Nagasaki, and then Rocky Johnson, all within just a couple of days of one another. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, La Parca, especially being someone that passed away as a result of an injury in the ring, a really direct result of an injury in the ring. Um, it shows you that this is like a, you know, I don't, I'm not a big baseball fan. I'm not a big basketball fan, but I, I don't, I don't think, you know, you had that many deaths last week in those sports, you know, like it really feels like, you know, wrestling is a sport that people pay for with their bodies, you know, and I think as fans, we always got to remember that, that like, you know, it, it, it is something that's going to take the toll on these people. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that's in the back of my mind when I'm watching 63 year old Diamond Dallas Page in the ring. And it's <laughs> like, we, we marvel at this stuff and listen, DDP looks phenomenal at, at his age, but it's, like this can be very, very dangerous at times, and sometimes it's just the the simplest of things that you know you you, you take for granted. And it was you know uh, just a dive to the floor, which is you know it's it's is an ambitious spot at times, and but so routine that you don't think of any kind of danger attached to it because we see so many of them on and it's commonplace. Well, yeah. If I if a sixty three year old ran out on stage and stage dove during our set, I think it was a little weird too. So it's definitely weird to see you know DDP, and I'm sure DDP's body's taken much more of a beating, even with all the DDP yoga. Uh, Paul Levesque issued an apology on Wednesday over the joke made about Paige. This happened uh, earlier this week where he was doing a scrum with uh, media in the UK and made the joke about. Uh, well, he was talking about Edge and Page and the potential of the two being cleared and then was talking about them having uh, healthy lives and mentioning Edge has kids and then made a joke that 
Paige probably has kids that she's not even aware of. And it was this very awkward joke. Paige clearly uh, did not appreciate it and instantly stated as much on, on Twitter about the fact that, you know, kind of alluding to the fact that, well, even my boss makes fun of me. No wonder everybody else on here does as well. So there were a number of other um, females in the company that made comments about this, the Bella Twins, Renee Young, Nia Jax. So I was glad that Paul Levesque at least apologized for this. I don't think the guy was attempting to be malicious here, but I did think it was an insensitive joke to to make about someone that um, I am sure feel uh, deals with tons of harassment and awful comments on a regular basis. And just the fact that I tweeted about this, the comments I received from some people, I can only imagine how it's magnified for the person in question. Yeah, like, you know, I can only imagine, as you say, what it's like to, for her to experience that. I think the the part of the video that was, like, the, the most awkward was when he was trying to get the room to laugh at the joke. Like, he says the joke, and then it's like he stops, and then, you know, oh, looks like I woke everyone up. Come on. Come on, everyone. Like, laugh more. Laugh more. And it was like. It was very cringy. It was really weird. It was like one of those moments where in, in Return of the Jedi, you start seeing Darth Vader's traits in Luke Skywalker, where you're like, oh, maybe you're going to just become Vince. Blew your mind, though, John, didn't I? Um, I, I didn't think of that, but may, maybe that. I'm just imagining <laughs> Vince McMahon. It felt like a Vinceism, right? I'm imagining Vince McMahon in a casual scrum with media, and I, ca- <laughs> I can't really get there. <laughs> it, it, there was a time. There was a time, right, like where he was a little more forthcoming with the media. Nah, it's <laughs> there was a time. Yes, he has been accessible at certain points and more inaccessible. What will be interesting? This is kind of a sidebar. Is do you expect a lot of Vince McMahon media over the next couple of weeks? Because we're just like three weeks away from the XFL. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he's going to try and distance himself from it. Or- I'm curious if he's. If he does, if they want him out there yeah. as the face or they don't want him out there yeah. as the face. And that could be, that that could very well be where they go about it. It's like if Coke was all of a sudden like, okay, you know what we need to do? New Coke again. We need to try it one more time. Like the first time was a huge flop. But like, it's so weird to want to revive such a like tainted brand. Uh, there's, it's just like, it's everything about this is really bizarre. But yeah, like, are they going to? distance themselves from the old presentation or are they going to lean into it? I'm, I got a lot of questions more. I'm really excited for the XFL. I think that this is a way better thought out XFL. They did not race to yeah. get, get to the market. Like last year, they watched the, uh, the AAF, I believe it was called just completely flatline and die. Well, they kind of caused it to flatline and die, right? By forcing them to speed up their, uh, launch. I read something about how they, they, uh, by announcing the XFL, they forced them to kind of speed up their launch. Well, they decided to get to the to play first, yeah. And they they clearly just did not have the oh. the proper funding. Like I think, you know, with, with the money that has been injected into the XFL, I, I don't think you are going to see those those problems, especially in year one. And you know, they've been smart that they have taken the novelty that the XFL still holds in pop culture, like. It's not positively remembered, but it is remembered, the XFL. And it's almost like trying to apply, um, put, put more thought, like this is not a gimmick league like the first one was with all the ridiculous stuff. And you could not get away with that stuff today, like with all promoting the cheerleaders. Yeah. And it was just pretty much 
promising violence. It was a totally different campaign to, to lead up to this one. And you have to wonder that in this fractured media market, I mean, if they do the numbers that they did the first time around, that's, that's viewed as a success. Like you have to look at AEW getting this kind of a deal is the, mm-hmm. the XFL is essentially trying for the same thing. They're going to do this season in the hopes of landing uh, a larger television deal at the end of all of this. And they've got some very good television outlets that are going to be airing these games. So you have to wonder two years from now or so, is there going to be a big demand for more football? If they can produce an audience, then they could really cash in here. So it'll, it will be interesting to see if the XFL can be a success or ultimately if it, it's a flop like the first one was. Yeah, football as a whole is really interesting to see where it is in, in its place right now. Like, you know, from what you read about and what you understand about it, there's there's a real shift away from kids being put into playing football. You know, like there's there's more and more parents that are trying to get their kids not to go into it because of all the fear of of concussion. So there's like a there's the idea of this dwindling talent pool that now you're gonna have if you have two successful leagues trying to pull from the same talent pool, what's that gonna do? You know, like how, what's it going to look like? I'm, I'm really like, God, leave it to Vince McMahon to get me excited about football. Will you watch? Uh, uh, Definitely. Maybe the first week. Yeah. The first week to see what it's like, which same way I did with the last time. You know, I watched the first week and I think I watched whenever Jesse Ventura came down from the announce booth to confront someone on the field. I watched that one. Oh, too. when they did the, the rival, uh, the <laughs> yeah. feud with the coach. Yeah. Yeah. God, that thing. It's amazing that that thing existed. There's, a, You know the best show on WFMU, that radio show that I'm a huge fan of? That It's like the comedian's radio show that every comedian's been involved in. Like We could name names and go on forever for it. But they did a whole skit about the XFL where the world's biggest XFL calls in one week. And it's all a comedy thing. But to uh, say how upset he is that the XFL's gone <laughs> and, just, and just go on about it. And it's, it's an, i got to send you this skit. Uh, Raw this past Monday did 2,030,000 viewers, a .61 in the 18-49 uh, to 49 demo. This was up against that insane uh, college football championship game between uh, Clemson and LSU, so it took an enormous chunk out of Raw. Uh, this was lower than all but one episode of Raw last year, so this was uh, among the lowest in, in the history of the show. I would not put too much into this. The, the football game was enormous. But it is interesting to look at a year ago when they went against the same college football championship game that uh, it Raw was not as low as the, as this week was. But I, I still look at this as an aberration. And overall, I would say that Raw, the last couple of weeks, it's, to me, been clicking a lot more in terms of uh, different stars that you can see that are on the ascent and are really sta- starting to take hold. And you've had a, you have a focus with the Royal Rumble as well. So I... I say more so, more so than SmackDown. I, th- I think Raw at the moment is in a relatively good spot, save for our Lana, Bobby Lashley, Rusev involvement. Yeah, that's the that's the one thing where, like, you know, my once again, I keep bringing up my my kids, um, but my my eldest, you know, wants to watch Raw, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch that with you, you know, like that that angle, that storyline, like it's just what are they what are they into? Are they uh, they, you know what they love? I brought them to Alpha One and okay. we went to the Alpha One show and there was a match that was Dan Housen, um, Effie, Dan the Dad, and Orange Cassidy. And they loved it. They thought it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen. Like they still like, when we have our own wrestling match at home now, 
my middle child, Dorian, will put his hands up to do the tie-up and then put them into his pockets, a la Orange Cassidy. Uh-huh. Like, they thought that was incredible. And in that, I'm watching that match, I was like, ooh, this is something new. Like, I'm just, I just want, like, I want to get excited about Raw right now, but I'm like, yeah, but they're still just putting, they're putting like new pieces into the same configuration, you know? Like, it's, are they aware of the superhero Ricochet? They are the superhero Ricochet. They loved Ricochet before he became the superhero. Oh, how about a that? A lot more. Wow. You know, when go he, figure. They thought of him as a superhero before yeah, he said, hey, I'm a superhero. Yeah, when, when he was showing them that he was a superhero rather than repeatedly telling them that Superheroes are real. And it's just, and it's just, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I when That was the one thing when we're watching Wrestle Kingdom and it gets to those matches and they're watching just these these unbelievable talents just like just at the highest level you know the the physic it's the physical charisma is just so compelling that then you know when you try and put on another match it's like it's so slowed down it's so muted it's like putting on a black and white tv show after someone's watched a 3d movie it's going to feel so slow and the final note here, uh, the latest class at the, to enter the WWE Performance Center includes Jake Atlas and Mercedes Martinez. Awesome. Signed after all these years. Yes. Uh, she was in the, the two Mae Young Classics and then was part of the AEW Casino Battle Royale. Uh, 39 years old, getting signed, and was in the Battle Royal tonight. I have not seen NXT yet, but was in the Battle Royal tonight. And, yeah, the those were obviously the, the two big ones. Also, uh... Former NFL player was in this class, um, but everyone focused on on those two. And, you know, Jake Atlas, I think a lot of people very high on him. Awesome to see both of them get signed. Um, I thought her uh, faction with Shayna, who else was in the faction? It was in Shimmer, was was awesome. Like, they were just like, she's so good. Uh, I'm really excited to see what she does in NXT. Yeah, I am too. And especially, you know, everyone I think kind of is, is expecting that Shayna Baszler will not be at NXT no, any longer. No, no. Does Mercedes kind of ease into a similar role or do you ultimately see Mercedes Martinez kind of coming in here? It's a short run and she's ultimately there to be kind of like your player coach type role. I think that's ultimately where they're going to try and put her or that's where she's going to wind up. She's probably very excited to wind up there. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's a, well, from what I hear, it's a really good place to be. Um, but I think I imagine she's just going to, they're going to keep her next seat for a while, as long as she's comfortable wrestling. And yeah, like have her be, you know, almost like the Cassius Ono for, for that division, you know, like uh, someone who is reliable to work with anyone and put on a great match and someone who can kind of almost be the gatekeeper. So those are all your news and notes for the day, and we're now going to get into AEW Dynamite, the first week of Bash at the Beach, which I've got to say, I don't know if it works in January. No, it's a weird, it, John, there's like the, when they open and, uh, I don't know, we, are we, should we get into the, the set right now and stuff? Go, go for it. Okay. I, I thought it was a weird throwback to have that woman sitting up in that lifeguard chair. The whole time. That was very strange. Weird. Really took me back to those days with, when it, with TNA had the women in the yep, cages. Totally. And just kind of there as eye candy that, to me, really doesn't resonate in 2020. No. It, it feels very dated. It feels very dated. It feels, like, kind of awkward. Like, I thought, maybe, well, maybe they're going to balance this out with a, per, a dude on the other side. Because remember they did that kind of play with that thing. At Which pay-per-view was it where they did that thing where they had women come out and they brought guys out, too? 
Oh, they did it one of those things. Was, I'm not I, sure. I, I thought they were going to do something like that. I thought, like, you know, but then I'm like, oh, wow, she's sitting out there the whole time. Like, she doesn't really interact with anyone. Sammy Guevara, I guess, like. I think they switched them up at one point. Did, I don't think it was the same woman the whole time, okay. but I could be wrong. I was like, this is really awkward to have to be up there in that front chair. Uh, you, you weren't the only person Dude, to point that out. Okay. Well, I, I thought that was a little weird. I thought, I thought the, the dress of the announce team. <laughs> Like, holy God, John. I'm not a fashion plate by any stretch of the imagination. You know, here you and I are both sitting in sweatsuits, basically chatting. You know, I would never insult someone else's way of dressing. But WH would. Yeah, like WH would have a field day on this announce team today. Were you checking your phone to see if he texted you about it? Because he must have he must have ripped into it. it I was, doubt he was watching this. They looked they looked rough. It looked like a a bunch of retirees uh, in Boca Raton, like on a drinking bender or something. Well, it was Coral Gables, so yeah, close. They, probably, they definitely had that kind of vibe. Uh, they were at the Watsco Center, and they started off with the graphic for Rocky Johnson, and then Jim Ross mentioning the passings of Laparka, Pimpero Furpo, and Kendo Nagasaki over the past week. And already in the ring were the four tag teams for the number one contenders match. We've got Santana and Ortiz, the best friends, Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. So the winners will be facing SCU next week on the Jericho Cruise, which I've got to say, I, I'm i looking forward to this just for it being something that is not in your traditional uh-huh. arena for one week. And I like doing ideas like this, like the cruise next week. Yeah. I, it really it, it really struck me this week how similar this looks like to just another WWE product. Like, I think that would be the, the risk someone would have if they weren't familiar, being like, Oh, WWE has two shows on Wednesday nights now because it just looks like they're they're black and yellow brand as opposed to the red brand or the blue brand or the other yellow. Well, brand. they have their black and yellow brand. Yeah, but I mean, there's like the, the more more black than yellow brand as opposed to the more yellow than black brand. You know, like but it, just like the not the in ring presentation once again, but like the actual just like physical presentation of the wrestling. Do you think next week? Because this is the first time that we will have a live NXT against a 24-hour tape delayed mm-hmm. uh, AEW Dynamite. It depends how many spoilers can off get off that cruise ship. Well, that's a great question because <laughs> the, the Wi-Fi may not be it's not great doing too well. I, I played a cruise one time, John, and it's 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 not great out there on the open seas. It maybe got better. It was a few years ago that we played this cruise, but I think it's very smart that they decided not to try and tape this live on the cruise because oh, I would have expected oh. a disaster. <laughs> they have issues with audio on on regular broadcasts. Yeah, we'll we'll get into those tonight. Those continue to persist. So I thought this tag match was excellent. Same. Um they got a ton of time here and this was eight guys that were just like the top of their game. If some people may not enjoy this style of match, but if you do these were eight guys that did it flawlessly. Like some of the stuff they did, like you couldn't see through any of this stuff in terms of just no hiccups. It was just, I just thought everybody was on here. The crowd was very hot for hangman page. They're chanting cowboy shit. Then Omega gets tagged in. Omega is received like a God here yeah. in uh in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt did the rolling Northern lights to Trent. Uh, Trent was Excellent in this mm-hmm. match. Uh, he stopped those with a tornado DDT. They did the soul food into the half and half suplex onto Matt Jackson. Then Santana and Ortiz come in. They had this awesome sequence on Matt and then they each did dives to the floor. 
Uh, Omega did the Snapdragons to Ortiz, Santana, and Trent. And then Paige and Omega came in, and they did a combination of the You Can't Escape with Paige doing Standing Shooting Star, ending with the Omega Moonsault, and then Paige hitting the Moonsault to the floor. This was uh, unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. To me, LAX were the ones that stole the show. I like I just think those guys are incredible and and uh yeah, I look like, what as you said, e- each team got their shine in this. It's it's kind of like this is like if you're going to make a list of the best American tag teams right now, like it kind of, these are like four of the tops, right? Like so to see them all in there. It's funny to see the Young Bucks come out like maybe the not the weakest team because that's like, you know, they're so incredible, but like just like being almost overshadowed by the other three teams because, you know, they, they were basically doing the greatest hits. Uh, we're still getting what, like when we get the holy shit chance that they're trying to censor yeah. them. And then they give up on censoring them. And it's like, oh, they just got to. And also, because as far as I know, from my rules, uh, regulations of TV, which I had to learn when I was at much music, you can say shit. You can't describe like, oh, my God, the cat shit over there or this this is cat shit and it smells terrible. You can't do that. I'm obsessed with cat shit, clearly, um, because I had to scoop litter before I left the house. But but you can say, like, oh, that was shit. Like, or holy shit. You can get away with that, right? Yeah, that, that was always my understanding. It's that you can – like, there was no – maybe it was different, like, on, 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 like, digital cable. But just the idea that, you know, you don't do anything blatant that – you know, someone is going to complain to the CRTC over, yeah, but yeah. it's like, that's what you kind of want to avoid. But uh, to me, it's like crowd chance. It's like, is that really <laughs> ruffling any feathers? It just t- it seems to me, it, it, it really is distracting. And it's, but it's also the audio just seems to drop out at random points otherwise too. Is it, is it always because they think something's in the crowd? When it's, see, typically I feel TSN cleans up a lot of the audio that we don't get the same problems TNT does because I hear about so many issues on TNT that I don't with TSN. Uh, though tonight, that Jericho promo backstage, yeah, like there were constant cutouts there. And I'm saying like, at first you're thinking, are they censoring him from something? But it was like, what, what could he possibly be saying? And there were other times too. The but then it happened frequently in that promo. It was, it was very bad for that Jericho promo that it's just constantly, it was just getting muted. Yeah, and the announcers too. Like I noticed when they were like, there's a couple times where JR's talking where I'm like, well, is it something in the crowd? And I'm like, but I don't know. It's just really, you know. But once again, it's it's a new show. <laughs> um. So from there, uh, referee Rick Knox gets kicked in the face, and they go to do the eight man suplex spot, culminating in Orange Cassidy coming in to give his side the upper hand. And they execute the vertical suplexes and then do the hug spot. And this place lost it. He's the future of wrestling. Him and Nick Gage are my two favorite American wrestlers right now. Because they're just two polar extremes of of just like what you can do with with working with people's minds. You know, and I, I just and I think Orange Cassidy's just found something. And it's funny because I brought my friend of that show at Alpha One. He's like, he's literally just doing Paul Rudd from What Hot American Summer. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. And he's like, he even uses the song. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but it works. And he's like, yeah, it works. And so it this guy gets over every single time. It's awesome. It's so fun to watch. And it, and like when he came in tonight, you know, like I was kind of like trying to explain what was going on to to my wife who was watching beside me um, as this match is going on. And then he comes in and like right away, it's just like it just I don't know. 
He's got a, such a presence. He is the Kazaninare of <laughs> AEW. It's just something every crowd looks forward to. It's like a small thing on the show, but it's awesome. And everyone loves his involvement. And he never overstays his welcome. Nope. And it's one of the loudest pops consistently. And you've, you've been, you've seen him live a bunch, right? Uh, clearly, or you've seen him live before, I imagine. I'm sure I have. He's got a charisma, like that just comes off live, even. Like, I don't know. And he's really athletic, too. He's good. He's, he's great. Like, and it was, and I, want, I want anyone that criticizes this guy, go, go do a dive for us with your hands in your pocket. It was funny because he was like trying to get out, like, obviously, all these guys had to get a flight from Alpha One. So he's like walking through because it was packed. Alpha One, by the way, incredible turnout, packed to the rafters. Out of Hamilton. Out of Hamilton. Um, and so he's walking between the rows and he's like just making comments to all the fans as he goes like, Oh, this guy's my favorite wrestler. Like just like being hilarious. Like just like, but he doesn't have to be. He's just that person. Like I'd love to chat with that guy, but every time I've been around him, he's been in character. He, ma- he maintains the bit. Um, so then after the spot, uh, the best friends hit a pair of gotch pile drivers, strong zero onto Kenny, the Bucks make the save, and they lay out everyone with super kicks. The Meltzer driver gets stopped, and then Hangman tags himself in, upsetting Matt, and they do the buckshot, lariat, V-trigger combo to Chuck Taylor, and they uh, Paige gets the fall at 16 minutes and 35 seconds. Bucks are upset. They did all the work, but in the end, they, they fist bump together, but Paige still left on his own to go grab a beer. Excellent match. I thought this was tremendous. I the one I love the match. One thing is that that spot towards the end where like they went off the top rope to the floor and everyone's just like obviously has to wait to catch them safely. It's just I just that spot is like <laughs> like it's, it I, it's just it happens a bunch of times in the show and you're just like it takes me right out of the match every time because I'm like oh they're all waiting to catch this person and like when that spot's done right and 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 well it's incredible, but you know, and uh, it just it just happens so much in wrestling. It just takes me out for some reason. But I love this match apart from that, and that's me just being a complainy fan. Well, now we get Omega and Page challenging uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky on the boat next week. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I imagine Hangman will get drunk during the match, maybe. Yeah, that's what it makes me feel weird. That whole thing, the drinking thing. Um. In terms of like he's slowly becoming an alcoholic on the show, yeah, or? they're ma- they're doing with like it, it. It's happened a lot in wrestling over the years, and obviously he probably, well, hopefully, he doesn't have a problem in real life that they're working into the storyline and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll see. I'll see where it goes. But uh, I, I love him a lot as a wrestler, so I'm, I'm, I'll see where it goes. I trust them. I trust them. During the commercial, DDP's doing his yoga. Lifting his leg all all up and doing it, doing all the spots. He he is a guy perfect for these picture in picture commercial breaks. Well, he, it was amazing. He got a whole ad break of DDP yoga ads within the other ads. Like he's wearing the DDP yoga shirt and demonstrating the moves. Like I was trying, I was following along at home. Like oh, this is awesome. He has never met the word subtle in no. his life. <laughs> uh, Don Johnson came out for a promo. Cool. <laughs> My wife is like. Is he a good guy? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, he, no way. He, he looks was like, dressed like an asshole. Yeah. She's like, he looks like his name should be Dolph and he's an 80s movie villain. He he looked like every movie villain here. Um, he's wearing like the white suit with the turquoise blue shirt with his dyed blonde hair. Uh, how is this guy a baby face in any universe? He's the owner of the company. 
He's a second generation wrestler of one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and the brother of another one of the great wrestlers, depending on your opinion. But I, I, I love Goldust in, in, in the ring and, um, you know, and, and, and like, it, it's just like watching him come down in this suit. And then also the way he undercuts MJF, it's just like, it's like, this is what I was talking about earlier when, when I wish we had Nate here to explain the way different universes work. Cause I think, Cody is in like, he can see both universes at the same time. He can see the universe behind the scenes and he can see the universe in the ring too at the same time. Like he's like one of the few guys that can look and direct us directly at us at fans and tell us about, you know, heels, heels and people's heat and undercutting people in factions and stuff like that. Like he's like, uh, um, Batmite in the Batman comic books where Batmite could see us as readers. Well, Cody goes over all the stipulations laid out by MJF and he's surprised that MJF wants Wardlow to take him on in a cage match because once people see Wardlow in action, they're going to be thinking that Wardlow is the one whose bags MJF should be carrying and not vice versa. He then says what MJF is doing is stalling with these stipulations. He brings up how he was raised by pageant parents who got him onto Rosie O'Donnell and he's been bolstered by all the old timers out there that say he's a great old school heel. But no, less is not more. You're just lazy. And he goes on to accept all the stipulations. A steel cage match against Wardlow that's going to happen February 19th in Atlanta. We're going to get a month to build up to this cage match with Wardlow. Along with that, 10 lashes on television. I wonder if this means Lash LaRue is going to be just cut up into 10 pieces. I hope he comes out in Tommy Dreamer cosplay as tribute to Tommy Dreamer, at least, because I can't believe they're going to do that. Thank you, may I have another. And then he cannot talk, he cannot touch MJF until February 29th for Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the promo? I don't know. Like, I, like, sometimes he's got the best promos in the world. And when he was fighting against the WWE and fighting against everyone to build this company, I was like, this guy's the babyface. But now I'm like, I can't wait for him to become the bad guy. <laughs> he is such a bad guy. Like, and the way he was, and also, yo, I'm going to let him in on a little secret. If anyone is rolling around with a bunch of old dudes, it's him. Like, his entire crew is his dad's friends. Like, it's like he's like, and he his did. brother, his older brother. He is tight with Glacier. He's got, like, he's got this old dude crew with him. It's like, I don't know. I love what MJF does. I think he is, you know, if, if you're a fan of this, that type of wrestling and that presentation of wrestling, like, like American style pro wrestling, he's one of the best doing it. And just to see him undercut like this, it's like, this is what we thought we were going to be different then. This is when I actually hit the guide button on the remote to show my wife that on Rogers it says, and I have this saved on my phone, it says like a sports-like presentation of pro wrestling that puts an emphasis <laughs> on stats and analysis. And I was like, see, this is what it's, 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 it's supposed to be like this, you know? And I, and it is like this. I love this show and I sound really critical when I say it, but I, I don't know. This thing took me out of it. I think it's. You know, when you, when you have lines like this about, you know, heels and, and stuff like that, I think it is like at the end of it, like this is a pretty captive crowd behind Cody that mm -hmm. he does have. And, and I do think he is 
a, a really excellent baby face in a time when, when it is uh, difficult. And what he's trying to do is kind of navigate this audience that I think he's trying to speak with them. But, but at times it, it can be, to me, kind of detaches yourself from the story as well. I think the, this, there are real baby faces in this company. There are people that you just like, you watch like, and I, and I, I love watching with people that don't watch wrestling because then you can see what their natural reaction is to people. And you can see like, cause we're so in the bubble, right? Like she has no idea about Cody's fight to start this company. And she had no idea about like who, you know, she just was like, Oh, this guy seems like a bad guy, but Darby Allen seems like a good guy. You know, like Darby Allen comes across as real and comes across as like, you know, he doesn't have to undercut his opponent and, and expose him. And nor does Cody. I don't know why he's doing it. He did undercut his elbow today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that looked like <laughs> terrible. He's got something about that, that spot. So after that, um, oh, and he says that MJF is only a chapter in his story. Yeah. Oh, and he's God. giving MJF his own scar at Revolution. If he doesn't, if MJF doesn't whoop his ass at Revolution, then this has been like, 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 uh, WWE at its worst level. I, I think MJF, it's going to be a bloodbath in this match. I think he's going to do enormous color. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think that's what this is going to be. This is going to be MJF just taking, uh, like just a bloody mess. And I think try to get him over to as, you know, standing up to Cody. And he's um, hardcore. Yeah, kind of giving him that that kind of edge as well by having a violent match with Cody. That mm-hmm. you know, this story kind of has to lead to as well. I wish this thing happened way long. You know, one of my favorite moments in this whole company has been, which is I think everyone's favorite moment, when MJF tossed Cody the scarf and he wrapped it around his hand and smashed the window and opened the door. That was so cool. And to watch like Cody try and navigate, like, yeah, this guy sucks, but he's my friend. Like something we can all relate to. Having that friend that sucks, but like they're your friends, so you kind of like got to put up with them or got to explain them to your buddies. <laughs> if you think that's me, John, if that's why you're laughing, no. I'm so bummed. But not at you all. You because I think I, we can all relate to different people in our lives. Maybe that are you're like thinking this, that about me. No way, John. You're one of my best buddies. Yeah. I brag about how you're my friend to people. Name, name drop you. There's people listening to this. Is like, that's not a real thing. Well, you're that person. Then. <laughs> yeah, then you're that person. <laughs> you're the guy in the group. You're the guy in that group. And I thought that was such a cool dynamic, and it was so great. So. I think that's why I feel like my wind's been let out of the balloon a little bit by this. Um, I think you took a detour this week, and you were just colored by this outfit. The outfit, I think, just sent you down a path. The outfit, the way he was, like, presented as a PowerPoint presentation, the way he was cutting it down, the way they're going to do the Tommy Dreamer thing. There's a lot that just bummed me out about this, you know? And And I really do like both these wrestlers, and I've watched them have great things, but, like, I don't know. Like, I, I really... I really think they should get some like real working class people in these companies. Like go and find people that work at like McDonald's and be like, yo, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in this situation? You know, and like find like start building some of these stories out where it's not just two guys, one guy who's like, you know, rich in, in the story in the universe of the show who's being undercut by a guy who's actually really rich for not actually being rich. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that plays with real people. Well, I I talked about this recently that in this alternate universe where Chris Jericho doesn't come to this company, Cody's probably in the role of top heel. Would you not think? Yeah, Like That's probably – you'd need a top heel and I think it would probably have been Cody unless they had gone – I certainly wouldn't have tried that with Omega. I think Omega had to be a babyface. Yeah. Like that's probably what the show 
is built around it. It's Cody as a heel. And I think that, you know, I, I think he is an exceptional uh, baby face. Uh, but I, I think at, at the same time, I mean, you bring up certain questions where I can see that disconnect with, with people as well, that this guy has certain uh, characteristics that are not going to be relatable to a lot of people, just the way he's presented, but he's a fantastic promo. And I think that that is where the connection comes from for a lot of people. Yeah. But he's more Ric Flair than he's Dusty Rhodes. Correct. Yes. yes. And so, and so like that was the thing about, that's why people, that that's why that dynamic is the greatest dynamic in pro wrestling history is because, People identified with Dusty Rose and they want to see Dusty Rose get the better of Ric Flair because they were sick of the Ric Flairs in their lives. Maybe I'm, maybe there's some transference going on right here and that's what I'm, I'm working my way through. But I don't know. I just, I, yeah, this, this part was my, was one of the lower points in the show for me. Then we had a promo from Joey Janela who wearing these glasses, I swear to God, you would not know it's Joey Janela. He looks so different with these glasses on. Mm-hmm. And he takes them off, and you realize it's him. And he also – his delivery is so different than on Twitter. Yes. I'm like, was he doing a weird voice right now? Like, it's just very different than like – because you're so used to seeing him. Like, I see that guy talk to me more often than anyone because it's, it's always stories. He's very, very good with social media, as we all know. Um, but it's just so different than his on screen. He was punched in the balls by his ex-girlfriend, Penelope Ford. And he didn't want anything to do with her, but she has to attach herself to him in order to get some buzz for herself. And he says in 2019, it felt like he was punched in the balls all year. But next week, he's got a match with Ray Phoenix. I'm excited for that match. That's a that's an interesting match on paper of what that thing is going to look like. Oh, it's going to be awesome. On a boat. On a boat. Those guys are going to be the ones that do something. Janela might go overboard. You die. That's what they told us. Like, because I was like, "Oh, I'm going to jump off the boat," and they're like, "You will die." Oh my god! What would possess you to decide yeah, that would know. be an option? I don't know. I thought it'd be funny, you know, at the like, end of the set or mid set. Like, I don't know. I thought just, the end of the set. We didn't even play on the boat in the end. We played coming in, back in the that. Bahamas and 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 on Miami, probably because they thought I might jump off the boat. But I was not going to. As soon as they told me they were going to die, like I just had no idea. But they're like, "Yeah, no, you hit that water. It's like concrete." I'm like. Oh, oh God. Yeah, that makes sense. And then they're like, then you get sucked under and killed by the motors of the boat. Oh, Jesus. I'm like, yeah. So someone's got to get a memo. I'm sure they tell these. They're probably like sit all the wrestlers down at the very beginning. And they're like, listen, your wristbands get you unlimited drinks and don't jump off the boat. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Brandy Rhodes and Mel versus Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. Uh, Luther is out with the Nightmare Collective and... Early on, um, he blocks Sheeta from coming down the ring to the ring. So they gang up on Chris Statlander, and Sheeta fires off with a kendo stick onto Luther. So the match begins. Chris went for this moonsault off the apron. That was the intent. And then one of the announcers said, well, it almost looked more like a side Russian leg sweep. So think about that. You're imagining a moonsault off the apron, and it ends with something approximating a side Russian leg sweep. So that that's how smooth this thing looked. There's a lot of times that they called your attention to the fact, like, oh, did not get all of it there. Missed that one. Nope. Uh, Sheeta did a missile drop kick that was way off, uh, but they sold anyway. Um, then there was a knee strike, standing moonsault by Sheeta. Uh, Brandy comes to break that up. And then finally, Chris hits the, uh, 
tombstone onto Mel for the win. And then Brandy yelled at Mel. I thought this thing was really clunky and all over the place. I, I thought this was the weakest match on the show. Yeah, this was, um, this is actually, I think this is actually where I hit the Rogers description to see that this was actually meant to be presented <laughs> slightly differently for Lauren. Um, the Luther thing is, is really weird. Also, at the end, they're, they're, they're playing up how dominant this faction is. It's like, well, we just saw them get beat. Like, are they really that dominant? Like, it didn't really look like it was that much of a threat. And it was like a, they were, you know, outnumbered, too. Yeah, this was also supposed to be Awesome Kong. And they announced prior to the show she wasn't cleared due to an illness. So Brandy stepped in here um, as the replacement. So I, you're going to have Awesome Kong lose? Kong was – well, I, I – would presume that it was Mel that was going to take the fall. Okay, okay. But yeah, I guess so. If you figure they're building up Statlander and Sheeta as your two contenders. So weird. Like, like you've got like this, the one of the great monsters of all time in your company. And, and you're like, I guess, I guess you're building up your strong, but I don't know. It just feels like. I, I think Kong though, physically is, is very limited. That's now. True, yeah. I, I don't know how much you can really get out of her at this point either. I will say that I think. You had to do something more with Luther after introducing him last week. Um, to me, that segment did not get over very well last week. And this week, like, you need some explanation. Like, who is this? Like, we've had a week now and he was just kind of there. There was no, he's chatting with Justin Roberts at one point. It's like, we don't know anything about this guy. Yeah. And like, I, it, it's, it's, I just, I like, you, if you explain this to people and you explain the, the way the universe works to people, like, I'm willing to accept it. But, like, it just feels like there's just too much stuff going on right now. Like, it just doesn't add up. Well, they're still after hair, I believe. Although, no hair was taken <laughs> no here. No hair though, was I guess because they were on the losing side of things, so. Uh, what are they, it's so gross. Like They got to was, you, clearly. Well, that I know. Well, and, that, and, and they got to everyone in that, uh, Luther later on in that match with, <laughs> there's a match later on where it seems like they got to every wrestler in that match too. <laughs> and you too, John. <laughs> Coming for all of us. There was a Dark Order promo. And this, oh, this thing. They're trying to recruit the elite and they go through all the targets. Michael Nakazawa. Then they say it may be a longer process trying to get Kenny Omega. Brandon Cutler's on a losing streak, but they feel he probably wants more power. Paige is vulnerable now because he's drinking and they must continue to target the elite. And this was done with, um, the evil boss that is at the head of the table whose identity is sealed. Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Yes. Dr. Claw that we will find out at some point. Gadget. Next time, Gadget. That's not a bad. Dr. Claw. Watched a lot of Inspector Gadget over the years. I, I think everyone did <laughs> in our age bracket. Um, this, <laughs> they got the Nightmare Collective and the Dark Order out in back to back segments. So, it's I so, mean, oh, like this company reads social media. Like, like, I don't know. And I like, once again, I love all the wrestlers involved, but like, this thing, like, it's like, so this is a commercial. Like, are we as the viewer meant to be your evil boss? Is that what you're telling us? Because then at the end, they're like, a paid advertisement for the Dark Order. And it's like, ah, just, anyway, I just, these two parts were like, this whole block of the show was a real low point. It was all uphill for here, from here for me. I'm, I'm awaiting Tony Khan maybe to go through all these criticisms and his response is going to be, 175 million. <laughs> 175 million. <laughs> yeah, like more power to him, you know? Like, I want to smoke weed with that guy. My, my friends, my, I got a friend who's friends with him and they smoke weed. 
Okay. Well, mm-hmm. maybe you can get him on your podcast. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's into punk. No. I don't know. You can get him into punk. Maybe I could. Maybe he get me into... We, we know he wanted punk. If he can get me into $175 million, I'll get him into punk rock. Okay. <laughs> Sammy Guevara, John Moxley. The deal here, the winner of this match and the pack darby Allen match will meet on the boat next week, and the winner of that will get the next shot at Chris Jericho. So, Guevara comes out. He does his... uh his whole deal with the signs. He's trying to hook up with uh, some woman at the end. Yeah, it's uh, he does this every week. It's a uh, I I don't know. It's interesting to, that he finds a way to fill that time when they got that. It's funny to see each person's kind of method of filling that little. Uh, it's like a real challenge to keep people's attention during these picture in picture when. I don't know if anyone's paying attention during these breaks. No, his one though is most compelling because I'm trying to read along yep. and see what's going on with that. So he, he's obviously a Bob Dylan fan, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. I was going to be like, oh, if you only know Aqua videos, I'll be so bummed, John. No, this is uh, <laughs> obviously the influence. Okay, um, but yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, like I, it's fine. You know, each week it's fine. Uh. They're chanting for Moxley, and then he pulls up in the Ford GT. Yeah, he got the car. All I can say is uh, Shad Khan must have the ultimate faith in this guy to to drive his car. They must also just, like, want to get rubbed in Cena's face so hard. Right? Because this was that car that it all went down with, right, with Cena? Oh, was it? I, I didn't. Remember when that thing went down when Cena was, like, sold the car that he wasn't supposed to sell from Ford because you have to sign a contract and you're oh, not going to sell the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this car. And that's what everyone's <laughs> saying. That that's the reason they've picked this car. Well, it's it's legitimately Shad Khan's car yeah, like, yeah. He, that he owns. Yeah, I'm sure they could have, like, you know, like been like, oh, you know, I'm sure, like, there's probably a Bentley somewhere in that fleet of cars. There's probably, like, all these different cars. But the fact that they picked that specific car is, like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a Virgil uh, it's a Virgil kind of thing. Well, Guevara does a strut and then turns into a clothesline, and there's a springboard cutter from the top by Guevara, and Moxley comes back, nails him with a slap, Xplex, and then caught with a double foot stomp onto the edge of the apron. This sent uh, Moxley into the steps, and they go through the commercial. Comes back and. There's a German suplex, Guevara lands on his feet, hits a standing shooting star, and then Moxley hits the original version of the Dirty Deeds, or the One Percenter, and there's a tease of a paradigm shift off the top, but that gets turned into a one-man Spanish fly, knee to the face, off of his shoulders for a two-count, and then there's a moonsault off the top from Guevara, and he does a moonsault right into the grasp of John Moxley, who applies a rear naked choke, and Guevara taps in 926. I don't know what Guevara was necessarily attempting here with this uh, this backflip. I guess he was just going to crash into a standing John Moxley with his back. That was the plan, I guess. Because like yeah, that, that's he fully rotated yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of a, uh, from a moonsault. He was like landing on his feet. Yeah, maybe he wanted to land on his feet just to show off. Be like, could have been like looky, looky, I got hooky. Slap. Nine twenty six. John Moxley is your winner. Uh, what'd you think of the match? Uh, I, I enjoyed it fine. I love John Moxley. He's my favorite. You know what I think the current, you know, like in the 80s, there was like a certain vibe of wrestler where you had like a, a mullet teased out and you wear Zubaz, right? And that's like a certain archetype look. I think the present day archetype look for wrestlers is furry dude, where you've got like a, a, a beard, bald, short hair, 
and a lot of body hair. And I think Moxley is like the, the Mad Dog Vachon, the Mad Dog Vachon, or like the kind of like Stone Cold Steve Austin, but like full grown. Chris Dickinson okay. is you know Timothy Thatcher rocks it really well, and I think John Moxley might be the most handsome version of it. Well, this guy has been handled tremendously well mm-hmm. in, in AEW. He feels like a top star um, to me. On this show, it's you know it's really. Him and Cody are your big baby faces on this show, and I'm going to imagine that Moxley was your preferred performer tonight. Yeah, and I think yeah, I definitely. I just think like it, it, it's it's a lot more of a easy to get behind kind of presentation. Jericho's music hits, the lights go out, and then the inner circle appears in the ring, and they go after Moxley. Jake Hager applies a standing arm triangle as Jericho whips him with his belt. And then there's a running knee to the balls from Jake Hager. And Jericho, who's wearing his jacket with all the spikes, removes a spike. And suddenly it's the Road Warriors and Dusty Roads. And Moxley gets stabbed in the eye. And they made this a, a very big angle. Uh, Moxley w- was taken off. And yeah, pr- pretty heavy-duty angle. And we would hear from Moxley later on. Wasn't it Funk versus Jerry King, Jerry the King Lawler in the empty arena match where he hits him in the eye? And, My eye! And he pulls the blade job in his eyebrow. And so the blood's coming all out of his eye. I was so well, waiting well, the, for the that. The ending tonight when you've got the bandit, like that's totally the bandit. Terry Funk. Yeah, definitely. But I'm like, I was hoping, I'm like, oh, do it. Please do it. Because it would look incredible. And that would have looked, you know, that I was waiting for that. But apart from that, it was a... A great moment. Jericho, you know, like I, this whole faction, I want to see, apart from LAX, I, I, I love LAX, but I want to see everyone else get beat really badly. Like this is, they're doing great work. You know, like I, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hagar, I can't wait to see someone beat him. And, and even Jericho, someone that I love and like, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like I, I can't wait to see someone beat him. So presuming it's Jericho Moxley, which what I like about this is everyone knows what the destination is, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're going to try and swerve you. It's just they're going to make you want this match mm-hmm. and build to it. So you get to Jericho Moxley. Like, Moxley has been untouchable during this this run-up to it. What do you do at Revolution? Is it is it time for Jericho to flip this title, or do you think that you should keep going with him? Like, it's I think been we, a pretty good formula with him as the top heel. I think you want to have him go through Jake Hagar first. You know, like you want him to have to fight the underboss before you get to the main boss. You know, and I think like that would be a, a match to build to. But you're you know, saying with Moxley, with Moxley, Moxley and Hager, yeah, first, and I'd have that match first, and then ultimately hold off as long as you can because you Moxley's got to win it. You know, and Jericho's got to hold it for a little bit longer. You know, it's like one of those. Well, next week's the I know the Pack and Moxley. I, so I think that's what you're getting at the paper. <laughs> I know, I know, which is. You know, I guess that's the way it goes in wrestling. I, I think it does have that good dynamic for Revolution that I think it's it's one of those matches where it were it works effectively in pro wrestling where you can argue either way and you're really invested in wow, just for this reason that you outlined. Like yeah. do they take the title off Jericho or do they go with Moxley? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do do they beat Moxley after this this big run? Like they they've been building to this match for for quite a while. So and now you get another five weeks of it. Yeah, like this feels like this is the biggest match this promotion has, you know, uh, at this point. You know, these guys are both kind of like 
I would say the, the veterans, well, there's a lot of veterans in this company, you know, there's tiers of veterans, but, but they, it's also a match AEW hasn't gone to yet. Yeah. And it, but it's also like a match that like fans want too, right? Like it's even the most casual of AEW fan will, will know these guys and will want to see this. So after the break, Jen Decker is with the inner circle and Jericho cuts a promo that it's an eye for an eye after Moxley smashed him with a bottle last week. There's, uh, tons of audio cutouts here. I didn't know what was going on, but the three of them are taking on the Jurassic Express next week on the boat. And Jericho ends it by saying, Moxley, we'll see you next week, even though you can't see us. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the, uh, another scene of reference here. He's awesome. He's so good. This was such a great line. At he, the end. he is He's very he, good. Yeah. Like I, I like, you know, one of the all time greats, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, and still continues to do, be that guy. MJF, The Butcher, and The Blade versus Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, and Diamond Dallas Page, who will be 64 years old in April. Yeah. This is wild. This match made me feel kind of young. You know, I was looking at all these guys. I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe I could train and get in there. I think DDP looks <laughs> looks great for his age they, and what he yeah. can do. Like, 63, and he came out in his old leather tights and... The part I loved is that he had the ribs taped. (laughs) He had, like, part of his ribs taped up. It looked like it went all the way down the tape, too. Like, right down. Yeah, it was, like, like barely visible. It was was there. Yeah. Yeah, like, he... Also, the fact that he, like... You know, here's Dustin Rhodes wearing, like, you know, full coverage. But he's like, no, I'm not wearing the shirt. I'm going out topless for this thing. MJF was not topless. His shirt read, I bang Dallas's daughter. I was so – he should have held off and then revealed it in the ring because, it, like, I just think it would have gotten such he, a huge He wore moment. it during the picture-in-picture, picture, yeah. like, an hour earlier. Yeah, like, it would have been such a – because they faced off against each other at the start of the match. And I'm like, if he had been wearing a track jacket and been like, oh, wait, and then revealed it to the crowd, oh, it would have gotten – page fires up oh, on Oh, it would have been so great. But, you know, that's why we're podcasting and they're writing TV, John. Yeah, they're just $175 million to too. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but John, it could have been three hundred and fifty million, right? That's what we're saying. That's it. You know. Uh, So this is where they mentioned Cody's uh, cage match for February nineteenth. That's the big show at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, which is an enormous building, and they're gonna have to build that show up significantly. So they're they're touting it as the first cage match in AEW history as well. Mm -hmm. So MJF is avoiding DDP, and he suckers. Dustin Rhodes with the diamond ring and then passes it off to Wardlow and Wardlow drops Dustin on the floor with a boot. We go through the break and eventually they make the big tag to DDP and this place goes nuts for him. He rams MJF into the turnbuckle and MJF goes full Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. He does a backflip bump off this turnbuckle. It looked ridiculous. He hit the diamond cutter onto the butcher, but MJF then lands a low blow Dustin comes in, hits a destroyer onto MJF. Then there's a diamond cutter on MJF. Blade makes the save. And QT Marshall hits the QT special. His space flying tiger drop. Uh, this one much improved from the last one, which was <laughs> frightening. And Paige climbs to the top. Everyone's waiting for oh him. Oh, my gosh. Including Damien, who's just got his arms extended in front of his TV. Come on! And down goes Paige with the... Uh, I will say medium cross to the floor. Yeah. And 
during all of this, they're showing the replay of the high cross, and MJF just rolls up QT with a schoolboy and pins him, hooking the trunks. I missed the ending. I, was like, I think everyone missed the ending. It was like, I think it was done in picture in picture. Once again, there's a lot of these guys that are furry dudes. QT Marshall, um, the Butcher and the Blade, you know, a lot of furry dudes in this match. Well, that's... You should grow a beard. You could be like a skinny furry dude. I guess it's like bears and and, and um, otters in the gay community. is, But furry dudes also, if you're like, just like, it's just a straight dude. That okay. That. But you grow, you got to put a little meat on you, John. Let me give you some diet tips. I, I don't know if I can grow a beard, especially the one I'm staring at right now. Like, that's just not... I couldn't even comprehend. Yeah, but I couldn't grow my hair out like you could. So let's trade. I I don't know about that. <laughs> let's 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 get all Brandy Rhodes on each other. Uh, how did this work in terms of you know it was really centered around DDP, but ultimately MJF getting the uh, the 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 win at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was I thought it was cool to watch. Like uh, they were on the page. Yeah, like it, Page was definitely. It was great to see him back in the ring. It's just like weird to see. MJF, who I just feel like is getting like beaten down so much, like a guy who I think has potential to be such a major heel within this company already, super young, but already just to see him like getting beaten up by obviously a legend, but still like a a man in his sixties. You think making him too much of a coward is going to uh, affect his ability to be like your main event heel? Well, yeah, like I think we're next week they're going to probably you know when they when they have that bloody match of the pay per view they're going to have that they're going to rehab him to that. To a certain point, but I just like, I don't know, he's just got such a great promo and just to make him that guy in that company. I actually thought as well in this, the, the blade, Pepper Parks, I, I thought he looked really good in this match. You know, he's in a role where he's not going to get any attention, but in terms of just feeding for these guys and, you know, always being in the right place, I just thought he was, he was like the perfect kind of punching bag for the, the legends like Paige and Rhodes here. And I would say also the butcher, Andy, um, my homie from Every Time I Die, I believe him too. I think they're they're a great team. What a great team! I, the whole the whole unit is just so fantastic. And like, it's something that's got like a weird kind of like you know maybe sci fi spooky edge to it, but it's not corny. And that's what I like about it. I think they were just victims of being kind of lost in the shuffle of yeah. all these new acts that they've introduced. That they were. I think they were before Wardlow, mm-hmm. but after the Dark Order and after the Nightmare Collective, and it was like this this slew of new people coming in, and you you haven't really gotten a chance to understand who these people are. Like they came in and they were helping MJF, and they're they're, they're aligned with MJF, but then he's also got Wardlow as well. So it's I, I think they just need some kind of character development to know anything about about these guys beyond just the look that they're kind of. That's the attachment. And what threat do they pose to this company? You know, like the the fact that in the on-screen universe, we know that there, there are vice presidents of this company wrestling within this company that are the good guys. Like what what's the threat? What's the challenge that, that you know, these people are fighting to overcome right now? And I guess, it, you know, it's the titles getting the titles. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but you're still their boss. You know, like they might have your belt, but at the end of the day, you're writing their checks. Uh, Jen Decker interviewed SCU. And Paige showed up hammered. Uh. Omega pulled him away and offered a gentleman's contest for next week. Uh, so it's it's kind of like the odd couple that they're going with with Omega and and Paige. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the match, but you know, once again, I'm I'm not a fan of this 
thing. But I, I, but I do like the idea of Paige pulling away from the unit and kind of like having that separation. Because once again, like you need conflict, you know, like who likes a story where, where there's no conflict. And then the main event pack versus Darby Allen. Uh, we got several dives to the floor by Allen. Allen looked great in this match. This is the, he's, he's the promotion to me. I love him so much. That theme song, too, Wiccafaze's theme, it just feels like he feels like the real star that they've made. And quite a statement that they put these two on last. Yeah. Like this, if you were looking at this lineup, this is not the match I would be assuming that they would have closed the show with. Like that tells you they, they wanted to put a spotlight on these two in a big position to build the show towards. Well, look at the way the crowd responds to Darby. You're like a couple weeks ago, you had that woman in the front row painting her face like him. You have people every week kind of painting their face like him. I know there was a muted reaction to him on the YouTube show, but I don't know. This, he just feels like a star, you know, like I, every time he comes out, I'm like, Gosh, you know, we've been on the right horse for that wrestler show. <laughs> now, in terms of when you see fans dressing up at these shows, it's, yeah. it's it's him and Orange Cassidy. Yeah, and those are the two guys who are relatable, have unique presentations, just feel different. And I, I really want them to, you know, lean in what works. Uh, Alan got flung into the steps, and then he's holding his right arm, and we come back, and it's it's all marked up. He's got like this these two cuts that just look terrible. Like it's all red. I had flashbacks. Oh, a traumatic incident. Remember when he got his elbows smattered? Oh, I thought you were talking about yourself personally. No, no, yeah, no, no, you're no. right. The, uh, the elbow. Well, this was not, uh, same. He, he was not in a body bag. No, well, that, well, that was after he went in the body bag. That was the other thing tonight. Like didn't really stop him. Did you have time to, did or were you too late to catch the, the Gabe thread the other night? I saw the whole Gabe thread. Uh, you know what, John? Right now, uh, uh, some upcoming guests. Uh, Gabe is supposed to be coming on Turnout of Punk and David Starr recorded an episode of Turnout of Punk. Together? A couple weeks ago. No, definitely not together. I'm wondering how I'm going to handle this booking. That have, I they have. Been, have they been recorded yet? Uh, Gabe's hasn't, but David Starr's was like weeks ago, and it's just like waiting to come up in the kinney. So, um, well, there you go. Weird times. Wow. <laughs> it was a. Yeah, it's, you're too tired for us to get into this, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I got some, I got thoughts, but we'll talk about it. Is it time. evident that I'm, I'm tired? I definitely see you like stifling yawns once in a while. And I'm like, I should shut up. I apologize. No, it's okay. So Pac lifts him onto the, uh, lifts him onto the turnbuckle and Alan counters with a crucifix bomb yeah. off the second <laughs> turnbuckle and then follows out with a coffin drop to the floor. Like Alan worked his ass off in this match. He's, he's like, I, f- I really worry for him in the long term, but just to watch him is just like, people say Jeff Hardy, but it's like, if, it's like if Jeff Hardy was Steve-O from Jackass, you know, it's like on another level. And then there's this big sit-out powerbomb from Pac. Tony thought that Darby's neck was broken from yeah. the sit-out powerbomb. It was pretty vicious. They fight on the turnbuckle. Allen takes several headbutts, lands on his front, takes the black arrow, and Pac gets the win. So... Pack versus John Moxley next week. The winner will face Chris Jericho. You know, a part of me was kind of regretting that they had done Moxley and Allen on TV mm-hmm. a few months back because I think that that singles match would have been, from just an interest standpoint, um, I don't think there's anyone believing Pack can win this match, but I think with Darby Allen, it just would have made for a more fun dynamic with Moxley and Allen, but they went with Pac here. I mean, it should be a great match next week. To me, this company really is building to, and like, and it really gets going when Darby Allen wins the title. Like that's the one I'm like, that's when I'm like, 
built to. That's that's what I'm hoping for. I can't wait till that moment comes. But uh, you think he's gonna feud with Don Johnson? And <sighs> I hope so. I hope Don Johnson's the heel and Darby's. I would the love guy. to see those two and Allen. I lived ends in up my car. I shit in pizza boxes, you know, like he's got the videos for that too. So Cody's he, offering a car to MJF yeah, to fight him. Like if he like, you know, I think I think that's the the way this company builds too, and I, I can't wait to see that happen. But this is also the only match my wife was like into. Like she was like, This is you know, that's cool. That's cool. Shivani got into the ring, he interviewed Pac, who called himself the new number one contender, and because Moxley is incapacitated, it's a forfeit. So he's coming for Chris Jericho. But then we go to the back. John Moxley emerges from the ambulance. His eye is all wrapped up and he gets out to the front, to, out into the arena and cuts a promo saying he doesn't care if he's blind or half dead. He'll be there next week to kick Pac's ass. You're bearing the lead on this part. This might be one of the worst segments yet in AEW history where the crowd, the crowd around the ambulance is literally going grumble, 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 grumble. They're not even saying words to each other. And then he like forces his way out and they're like, they're, they're like the worst WWE extras of all time. And it's like Christopher Daniels. It's like real performers. It kind of was weird that Daniels, like, yes, Daniels, this is kind of a role he's in, but on TV, he's Christopher Daniels, like tag team wrestler. Yeah. And kind of weird that. He was used here for this. Well, spot. and also like that he didn't try more and like, and then they weren't saying words. Like it's just like it felt, I, uh, just so like WWE does ambulance segments better than this. People coming back from the ambulance. So, like I was just really disappointed in this segment, especially because I love the match just before it. So, you know, it, 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 I thought the main event was uh, fun, not, um, not terribly long, but they, you know, they, they worked really well for the time that they had and, Overall thoughts on Dynamite this week? I like stuff I loved and stuff that I was obviously not a fan of at all. And I didn't mean – I wanted to come in, especially because they signed that new TV deal. I was like, oh, I'm going to come in super positive on everything. And there's definitely stuff I, I as I say, really enjoyed. But, yeah, not this ambulance segment and, and not Cody's promo. I thought the, the high points, certainly the tag match, enjoyed the main event a lot. Um yeah, the to me the tag match was definitely match of the show for me. Yeah, the tag match was pretty awesome. Ah, there's there actually the there was a lot of cool stuff. The fur the uh the later tag match, the and then the main event too. Like I liked uh I liked, I liked and, and and I thought the injury angle was was done well with the yeah. the spike to the eye. And it flew by. Yeah, you know, like that's the other thing that this show was over and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I need to get These 2 hours move pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, one of the better paced shows that that we have. Pro- probably the best paced two hour show. Yeah, definitely. It feels like uh, you know my my wife didn't ask to change the channel. So. Well, that's always the key. <laughs> the key. You could have invited her. I well, someone had to watch the kids. John. Oh, that's that's true. All right. Well, let's go to the forum and we'll get everyone's feedback. Uh, Damien just started tapping his watch, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> I want to that. Go, <laughs> Hurry go. up. Brandon from Oshawa, really excellent show tonight. As someone who loves to cruise, I've been on seven of them. Next week's episode has probably been my most anticipated show since I realized they'd be having Dynamite on the cruise. I really hope they can stay consistent and have a solid show because it's been pretty inconsistent the last few weeks. The women really are the bad spot, and I hate to say it because I've tried to support him 
I've tried to support him as long as I could, but JR has to go. It's just too many mistakes week after week, getting the company name wrong last week and getting MJF's name wrong twice in the same match. I'd like to see Taz replace him. They've been close to a million the last couple of weeks. Do you think the Bash at the Beach concept will bring more eyes and bump them over a million this week? Uh, it could, you know, like they're, they're, I guess, I guess their numbers have been trending up slightly, you know, in spite of what I said earlier. So yeah, like it could, like, I, I think anything that kind of gets that excitement going week to week, you know, always having that hook, always having something on social media, people are chatting about, like definitely doesn't hurt it. Yeah. I could see this one being kind of in the range of the last two, maybe a little less. There wasn't like that, that big, um, match that they had to build towards tonight, but, um, you know, the last two weeks, they, they've kind of just stayed at this consistent mark, like right under a million viewers, like very healthy numbers and could be right around there again this week. I, I'm curious next week, like if the cruise, it's like this really novel concept that I could see a lot of people wanting to tune in almost instead of like worrying about spoilers. It's kind of like the same appeal that first NWA power had, whereas you just want to see what this looks like mm-hmm. um, because the environment is kind of the draw as much as any of the matches as well. And if people enjoy it, like, is that going to be fun for two hours to watch a show on a cruise? I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to like, I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen one. I I just like the idea of doing different stuff. That's, uh, I think this is a really smart idea to try this. I hope they have just drone shots. I guess you can get, because you can't really do a jib, right? So you probably might just do a drone and have drones come in. And I think you do some really cool stuff. Watch us come up with way better ways to do it. I'm worried about Darby (laughs) Allen now just diving over the overboard or something like that. John, the stuff he's seen and done. And, and told me about is just terrifying. And you probably have half of it on camera. We got some stuff on camera, but he's got more of it on his own camera. Did I tell you this time where they, they took a bunch of laxatives and then drove from Seattle to Las Vegas? And the deal was they had to have all the windows in the car rolled up and they oh, wore depends and they didn't stop to go to the bathroom. And if you did roll down the window, you had to get hit in the face by everyone else's depends diaper. Oh, my God. So, what? What is the novelty in this? <laughs> so none of them broke. And they got to Vegas and they had just shit their pants for the entire drive, right? So they get to Vegas and they immediately take off the oh. diapers, towel off as much as they can, and then go and do one of those slingshot bungee cord things. And they get there, they do it, and the guy's unbuckling him afterwards. And he's like, um, did, did you shit your pants up there, man? He's like, no, I shit my pants earlier today. It's oh fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nick from Lansing. AEW continues to put out strong shows each week with the one point of weakness for them being their women's division. Opening match is really great. They packed in a lot of action, but managed to get across the frustrations between the Elite and Adam Page. I love the hangman getting the surprise pinfall, furthering the decision in the group and his, uh, dissension in the group, and their promo later with SCU is funny. The women's match is pretty rough, as alluded to earlier, because at the beginning of the match, uh, Especially at the beginning of the match, but I'm happy to see Statlander being booked strong. Sammy Guevara gets better every week in my eyes. He feels more confident in his character work as he prances around, making his flashy, making his flashy mobster feel like he was taunting everyone in the arena. What a main event. They packed so many moves in. I don't know how to keep track of it all, but both men felt like stars just on their athleticism alone. Next up is Hagaki. Overall, much better show than the first two of 2020. This was our first time watching on AEW+. Not seeing the commercials made the show feel like a pay-per-view, minus one break that was just crowd and sign shots. Great open, cool Dark Order promo. They seem to have me back and forth on the gimmick. 
Another unfortunately lacking women's match, not at the fault of Statlander or Sheeta. Surprising end, I give the show a 9 out of 10. Then we go to The Archivist. First off, I want to compliment Damien and Fucked Up on their cover of In View by the Tragically Hip. I guess you guys recorded it a while ago, but I just heard it last week, and it was the highlight of my day. Thank you for that tribute to Gord. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for your work. I really enjoyed this show from start to finish, but my main highlight was Sammy Guevara. Most of the names from AEW I already knew before Dynamite started, but Sammy was an unknown to me. Week after week, he improves to the point where I feel he's the number two guy in the inner circle. His match tonight with Moxley was excellent, and his cue cards are keeping my eyes glued to the screen. So there you go. Uh, the sky's the limit. Question for Damien. Do you have any plans to have Andy Williams on the podcast? I want to. We, I talked to him a couple of years ago when I saw him at a smash show and I got his number and then I lost it and I got his number again, but he seems pretty busy these days. I keep hoping to run into him in person and just kind of set up that way. But, uh, how do you lose a number in, in modern day? Like Cause I put the, out a note for some stupid reason and it's not, I don't know. I think my move. phone was dead. I, th- I remember my phone being dead. It was like a really weird moment. I went to a smash show last minute. My phone wasn't fully charged. And do you know who's wrestling in uh, Mississauga this Sunday at the Destiny show? No. Marty Skrull is up here. Really? Marty Skrull's on the show. Josh Alexander is on the show. Wow. Let's make a drive. It's, uh, it looks like a good show. If you bounce back, let's make the drive. Let's make the trek. Oh, there you go. Sunday night, everyone. <laughs> Destiny Wrestling. Sean from Toronto. While the Bash at the Beach theme didn't really extend past the set and the clothes worn by pretty much everyone except JR, this was still quite a solid episode of Dynamite. It was quite amazing to see the 63-year-old Paige still has it in the ring, which is probably as good a testament as any about the power of the DDPY program. I'm not sure about the alcoholic hangman Paige angle, since there are probably better ways to turn a guy heel. Anyone else think that Ortiz's hairstyle was reminiscent of Ming and Haku circa 2001? All right. Um, person not sold on the hangman page angle either. See, I'm not, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, but once again, I can't stress enough. LAX is one of my favorite tag teams. And like, I feel like, you know, like to watch them develop over the years, like to see them. I remember that WrestleMania weekend where they were just wrestling everyone. Like that mm-hmm. was the whole deal, like open challenge to, to this point where they're one of the best tag teams going, like, uh, I don't know. Um, every time I see him on there, that's one of the, the them and, and Darby Allen are the, my two favorite parts of these shows. Andrew writes, excellent show tonight. AEW seems to have everything running well for them, and it's hard to criticize most of the wrestling on the show. However, the women are still an issue. If Kenny Omega is running the show for the women, it isn't working with him at the helm. I watched an epic moonsault slap to the back by Chris Statlander and a boot choke to the shoulder by Brandy. The tag team sometimes have this issue, but it's more pronounced with the women. I'll just say that having someone different in charge of the women is not going to correct an issue like that. No, and also, like... You know, there, there's obviously a lot of incredibly talented women wrestlers out there, but most of them, a lot of them are, were signed up in the last few years to the WWE or are still in Japan or are tied up with other contractual obligations. So, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a hard go attracting those talents. Like we just, we, we just talked about how one of the best women's wrestlers just showed up at the performance center this week. And right. that's another player that's off the board. So. I, I I have some empathy for the situation they're in. If you are a 23-year-old wrestler, let's say you're yeah tw- in your mid-20s and you've been wrestling for four years, okay? So you're still relatively new. Is AEW that attractive? Would you be willing to, you know, you get a good money offer at that stage, but it's it's limiting in the sense that, you know, AEW is not touring. 
Uh, a lot of these talents can still go out and do independence, but um, does that make WWE more attractive? Just knowing that you're going to, your schedule should hopefully be more full, even if you're at NXT doing the Florida loop or the NXT touring shows. Like, what, what is more attractive to you if you're a younger wrestler at this point? I've never heard about what the high end of AEW contracts are. You know, like how much money some of these wrestlers are making on the high end of women's wrestlers on the, in that company. I know they talked about, uh, gender parity, equal parity as far as pay equity goes, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they've ever achieved that. I remember that conversation kind of disappearing. Um, but so I would say like, if you're going to go out there and you're going to have the chance to make millions and millions of dollars, like, like the money you make in the WWE is just like unbelievable. Like, there's a reason that people aren't happy there and they're still willing to stick around because the pay is that good. So I don't know, I guess it's pay versus freedom. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a dad now, so I might go with pay. I, I normally would go with freedom, but as a parent, I might go with pay. Uh, Noah from Vaughn writes, aside from the women's match being just okay, I thought everything else was very good to great. Fantastic opener where all eight guys got a chance to shine. The dark order videos continue to be a highlight for me. I thought it was just great. Very enjoyable show. Easy to watch. Two hours, eight and a half out of ten. And we've got two more here. Alexander from Portland. His question is, what are your thoughts on the RVD promo from Impact last night? Was it any <laughs> less classy than the cuck angles WWE have been doing? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because like it, it, it feels like a more adult product all around. I didn't have as much of a problem with it. Um, it was it's certainly sleazy and scummy, but like... That's kind of like the point. The character yeah. that they're pushing with RVD is yeah. Like, and I don't think it's the worst thing on there, but you know, I, I maybe I should rewatch it. I think I think Impact is trying to do a, a lot of things, Anything. and they're they're mainly generating ideas that are going to get a high level of response. I think they're trying to shock people um, with what, whatever they decide to do, um, and part of that is doing like over the top comedy. Um, Shocking stuff. I, th- I think they're just looking at anything that's going to register with an audience that has been fairly indifferent to them over the past year, despite, you know, re- relatively good refu- reviews for their shows. That was one of the most intriguing pay-per-views I can remember. Like, just the whole time, just being like, I wonder where this is going to go. Um, so everything up until the main event just felt like... This was hard to kill. Yeah, hard to kill. Sorry, yeah. I'm talking about. Um, it felt like it was just like you know you're watching a bunch of openers before you're waiting for like the the headliner. But you're waiting for the headliner in this case for a lot of the wrong reasons. So it's a little different than being at a show, I guess. The last one here is Eric from Miami. I was at the show live, and they did six matches for Dark. That's Whoa. quite a lot. So they did Big Swole versus Diamante, Nyla Rose in a tables match, Dark Order versus Sunny Kiss and Brandon Cutler, Strong Hearts versus Jurassic Express. Phoenix versus Joey Janela. So, okay, they taped that for next week's Dark. And then Kip Sabian versus Michael Nakazawa. The show was amazing. The opening tag may have been the best match I've ever seen live, but they have a serious issue with this women's division. The show started hot with the tag. Great Cody promo on screen. They showed Darby and Pac, so I assumed it was next, but the show came to a stop with that women's match. Anyway, I hope the crowd came across well because it was a lot of fun. I thought the crowd crowd sounded really good. Really loud. Um, yeah, the whole way through, it feels, it feels like a lot more homogeneous than a crowd that you see at WWE. 
you know? It, it always has this, like, party atmosphere. Like, yeah. you watch the two shows, and it's a lively crowd for NXT, but to me, AEW, it just feels like the party. Like, that's the crowd you would want to be a part of. Well, everyone's around the same age, you know, it seems like. Like, when they do the pan, you don't have as many kids. You know, there obviously are some kids. Um, but, like, it just feels like it's around, everyone's around the same age. It's like... More of a college crowd. Not as rowdy as the WCW crowd, but more that age group. Well, that is all our feedback. Thanks to everyone for posting. <laughs> this has been one of the hardest episodes for you to do. I'm so sorry, John. No, not at all. I'm <laughs> I'm battling jet lag, but uh You look like you're you look like I've watched you die during this episode. You're like <laughs> slowly. I've been fading. I've been awake since five thirty this five thirty AM this morning. Same brother. So Dad, we, we like, carried things, I think. Me? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, I just know. I, I love coming and do this. I appreciate you inviting me. I like as soon as I got the call, I'm like, all right. I appreciate main you, show. I offered the, you could have done Skype, but you I want to come, come all the way over. So I greatly appreciate. I that. wanted to get the energy, you know. So what? What is kind of on your list right now of like what? What's got you right now in wrestling? Like what is must see each week? I think New Japan. Totally, you know, I think this time of year obviously refills everyone's batteries for New Japan. I think the G1, I think AEW week in and week out. I know I seemed hypercritical tonight, but I just wanted to kind of like put my my critics hat on a little bit for this because I think, you know, we as fans that are in the bubble tend to kind of look at things within the bubble. But like when you step out of it a little bit, you know, it, mm-hmm. it looks a little different sometimes. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I do love this show and I, I'm really enjoying watching it. Uh, I'm in DDT. You know, stuff that happens in DDT, I still kind of follow. Um, shout out to Michelle and her blog, Indie Wrestling in Japan, all that stuff. Um, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I follow, follow a lot of stuff. You know, I try to follow as much as possible, but NXT, you know. Will you be watching the Royal Rumble? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've got plans. Uh, I've got some friends in town, and we were just talking about how I'm going to go to their studio where they're recording, and we're going to watch the Royal Rumble. Oh, in the studio. wow. Uh, they're big wrestling fans. You know, there's a lot of, uh, it feels like it's still such an exciting time to be a fan, you know, like it. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, all the stuff that happened on Twitter. But, yeah, that's happening. And that's real. But that's happening in every part of culture right now. Like a lot of stuff is being called out and called to task and stuff. So uh, the stuff that's happening in the ring is still really exciting. There's still so much of it and so many different types of things. I'm really excited for that blood sport. That's going to be a really fun show. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, I gotta figure a way to get down there, man. You can come sit with us. Can you put me in your bag? Could try. Do you hear about that, uh, the guy that snuck out of Japan in a, in a, no, I a didn't music case? This. The, the chairman of, I'm gonna screw up the company. Some big corporation was, that couldn't afford a plane ticket? He was being brought up on fraud charges, so it was under house arrest, but it got oh. smuggled out in like a, uh, like a Yamaha case. Wow. Like a music, Yamaha music case. <laughs> That's amazing. He <laughs> got smuggled to Iran in it. And they had to put out a statement saying, we do not encourage you to hide in our music case and try and hold around in them. God. Well, that's – you always have to – whenever you see like a warning for something, you always have to think like something necessitated this warning being there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, don't run out into the street with your eyes closed. It's like <laughs> – how many times did this happen before a warning was necessary? You need that. You know, you need someone to make that mistake so everyone knows not to do that thing again. I remember always, you know, when McDonald's, they had to put like the caution hot on the coffee. And I remember when I was younger, all my friends would just make fun of that. And he'd be like, oh, this woman sued them because coffee was hot. And it was like, okay, that sounds kind of weird. And it taught me this lesson that anything that sounds kind of weird like that, 
probably find out the other side. Yeah. And then you watch that documentary on this poor woman that had this scalding hot coffee and had like significant burns as a result of this coffee that fell on her. And it's like they were, they found out like McDonald's was brewing their coffee at this unbelievable temperature. And you watch this documentary. It's like, oh my God. Like what? you totally sympathize with this, this elderly woman and the, the, the heat of this coffee. Well, that's like, there's so many things like that where we're at a great moment where because of its social media, we have the ability to hear the other person's side. Like, remember the one about the woman that got attacked by her, her monkey? And it was like all the talk shows made fun of it. It was like a big joke. She got attacked by her monkey. I saw a documentary about her. The monkey ripped her fucking face off, John, and ate all her fingers. Like it destroyed her life. A monkey. And we were laughing at it, you know? And like, you know, like the page joke, like I know to bring it back to wrestling that Triple H made. It's an innocuous joke. Like a lot of people I saw your feed today were going to like, what's it's just a joke. But then you hear the other side of it. Like, no, here's how it hurts that person. That that was a joke at the expense of. Like, so now you can kind of see, like, ah, oh, shit, maybe it wasn't that funny. Yeah, like, that's, to me, the don't be an asshole is a really good slogan to live by. Don't. You know what I mean? Like, how – and, again, it's like I'm not trying to be, like, you know, condemn Paul Levesque here. It's like, okay, you made a bad joke. Yep. Acknowledge it. He did. And apologize. Great. Because it's like you're – when you make a joke like that, it's almost like, okay, we, we've got the go ahead that it must be fine that we can all make these jokes. And I just, I think about someone that, okay, for the next month, we're not going to think, we're not going to think about Paige and any past stuff that she's had to deal with, but she will because probably daily she's getting comments oh, about, yeah. about this tape and like this invasion of her privacy that that's what that was. You know what I mean? And it's, I, I mean, just, you look at it from that perspective that your momentary haha moment is probably a pretty deep scar for somebody else that has heard every joke imaginable and would do anything to just move on and not have to hear about that. And I really feel, especially for females in this industry of the abuse that they must take on a daily basis um, from fans who just feel they can fling whatever at them. And I'm sure males get it too, but I think it's it's very difficult, probably in any form of entertainment, to be a female that is on Twitter and just open to whatever people's comments are about how they look, about anything. Yeah, and I think at uh, even more recently than that, you know, she had a traumatic incident. Like you hear the stories about what happened to her during her hiatus from the WWE, and like it sounds like that was a pretty traumatic experience to go through as well. And so here's this person who. You would imagine they would know internally is, is, is dealing with some fragile issues or, or, or certainly, you know, has had some traumatic experiences. Yeah, it had a miscarriage as yeah. well. Like on top of this about making a joke about, you know, you have kids that you, again, like I don't, I honestly do not believe the guy was trying to be malicious, but don't try and defend this joke to me. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. he's not. So no. I, I don't think people out there, it's like I'm getting this. Stuff that, and I really don't care if, if people want to disagree with me. That's fine. But anyway, that was, um, was there anything else you wanted to, to want, tackle? Uh, was there anything else on, on your mental list? That one you, more thing, John. Uh oh. I've done many appearances here at the post wrestling studios, but I'm sitting on a backlog of turn out of punk wrestling episodes. Oh. And I would love to invite you on my podcast one day to talk about these 
turn out of punk wrestling episodes as of late, including Jimmy Jacobs, Jim Smallman, Effie's coming up. I heard Jim Smallman. Um, David Starr's coming up. Some big ones that I told you about earlier that are also coming up. But I do a, another show where I talk about my podcast with another guest after the fact, and he hates wrestling. So I need, I need to call in on my alcoholics brothers to come on to the show and do an episode with me. When you recover from jet lag. I'm not gonna make oh, you do it tonight. I was gonna say let's let's do it in the morning. <laughs> I'm gonna start recording right no, now. I'm let's gonna, go. I'm gonna get a good night's sleep, <laughs> yeah. and then I will come and do your show. I, I'll even come to you because you came to me. I would love you to come, and you can see the bat. You can finally see the bat in person. The bat, the Onita bat. Oh, the bat. I'm thinking like a flying bat or something like oh, that. You have a pet bat like, now. Did you, I'm a freak. Did you I'm a real the bat freak. that I was unaware of? Okay, <laughs> yeah. the Onita bat. Yeah. yeah, I've not seen this thing in person. Yeah, so we'll make a day of it. But that's what I would love you to do. Come on the show because I, I have had a lot of wrestlers on lately and. Uh, a reluctant host to talk about him with. Okay. Well, for Damien Abraham, I want everyone to follow Turned Out a Punk, Left for Damien on Twitter, and I know it's going to happen. Season two of The Wrestlers, it will happen. I, I, you had faith in season one coming out, John, when I had none. So I, I knock on wood and I, I hope that it does come true. But, um, yeah, there, there's no, no word of that right now, literally at all. So we'll see what happens. But. Well. The, it's on the, Crave. It's on Crave now if you're in Canada. That's right. So you, you can go watch all of them. Yeah. So. Not, and thank you to everyone who's sent out some kind words. A lot of people have reached out to me. People brought it up during our trip to Japan. Yeah. People were telling Came me. Came up several times. A lot of people hit me up saying they heard about it on this show for so long because, you know, you guys were the ultimate cheerleaders for this thing with me. Uh, and then uh, to have it come out now and they can watch and said really nice things. So thank you, everyone. All right. And if you do watch any of them on Crave, you can go back to past episodes of the Cat yes. Hangout for our companion shows where Damien takes us behind the filming of every episode. We should extract just those parts of the conversation and put them out as a separate podcast. I'll put them out on my feet. I'll, I may have to go and try and edit that, just those sections. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, because yeah, cool. each episode Damien went through and gave oh, all so the stories, fun. stuff that didn't make it onto the air. Really uh, enlightening stuff about all of those episodes. So nice. you can go check that stuff out. Uh, thank you again, Damien, for thank bearing you. with me tonight. John, I appreciate it very much. I can't wait to uh, watch you edit these podcasts and put them up for the next hour. So I'm excited. <laughs> Damien's just going to stand here awkwardly. <laughs> no, I'll just talk the whole time. There's no awkwardness. <laughs> All right. Thank you to everybody for listening, and we'll be back before you know it.